0: Hi friends, and welcome to Trauma and Triumph. This is a podcast dedicated to sharing the stories of powerful women who have taken their trauma and transformed it into triumph. I'm your host, Krista Janine, best known for my IG handle, Krista Janine, where I discuss health, wellness, social justice, single parenthood, and everything in between. But most importantly, where I discuss how we can all take trauma and transform it into triumph in our lives. During season one, you're going to meet a variety of amazing women who have overcome tremendous obstacles, setbacks, and trauma to become the extraordinary people they are today. On episode five, we have Julia Sparkman, householder, podcast host, and storyteller. Before Julia moved on to motherhood, she was a full-time yoga instructor, a marketing consultant, and a storyteller. Julia admits that since college, she had believed homemaking was the antithesis of feminism. And consequently, she entered into motherhood with strong feminist beliefs and zero homemaking skills. Once her daughter was born, Julia made the decision to be a stay-at-home mom until her kids went to school. Therefore, she enormously wrestled with her decision to stay home, and she struggled with the domestic responsibilities of being a stay-at-home mom. After overcoming a birth that did not go as planned and 18 months of serious postpartum anxiety and depression, Julia realized that conscious motherhood is a wild radical revolution and she has devoted herself to telling her stories and the stories of other moms on her podcast, A Podcast for Moms. On her podcast and in everyday life, Julia is committed to creating a movement of moms revolutionizing the world through radical motherhood. Please help me welcome Julia Sparkman. Okay, well, I'm super, super happy that you're here and just diving right in. So what is one trauma-centered event in your life that strikes you as the most pivotal or one of the most pivotal?
1: Well, first I need to say thank you for having me, Krista, because I think the conversations that you're creating around trauma and triumph are so important, not only for me to be able to share my story, but other people to hear Stories of other people who have gone through things. So, thank you. And we've known each other for a bit. And so, you probably have heard some of my story. So, I'm just going to give like a quick background to those who are unfamiliar with me. When you asked me this question, right? Like, what's a trauma to triumph that you've gone through? Like, I came from like a pretty um, tumultuous background, you know, have like, I, personally tried committing suicide, had multiple suicides in my family. My father committed suicide when I was in high school. He was an alcoholic. My mom had her own struggles. I've faced, you know, sexual violence. I'm sober, you know, so there's a lot of different things I could have shared on. And the one thing that was really, um, that I was like, what is my like number one trauma to triumph? And what it really comes down to is, after I had my daughter, I experienced postpartum anxiety and depression. And for me, the trauma there was in the past, I had always had some kind of coping mechanism that wasn't always the healthiest. And for, after I got sober, I used busyness and like life things. Like I distracted myself. Like I was always like doing something out there, like distracting myself was the best um, example I can give. And so my biggest trauma was finally having to sit with myself and finally having to be um, to not fall back on, you know, like examples I give is when things were going like wrong in my life, I would um, start a new job. I would quit a job. I would start a new job. I would enter in a new relationship. I would exit a relationship. I would do something like big. So I would focus on something different, right? Like I would make this huge seismic life change. And so I wouldn't have to deal with the feelings that I was experiencing. And so then when I was going through the tough time postpartum, that was the first time in my life that I didn't rush to one of my other like, avenues of release and finally sat with all the things I was experiencing so it wasn't I know for me like it wasn't just like the postpartum like yes I believe I was chemically imbalanced after having my daughter yet what I think really happened is it was the first time in my life that I wasn't overdoing it like I wasn't working I wasn't involved in 10 million thousand activities I didn't um have all of these other external distractions, and I was sober, and yeah, so I finally had to face myself for the first time, and at that point, I was 30, I had just turned 32 years old, so for the first time in 32 years, I had to sit with exactly what I was feeling every single day until I decided I was tired of my own shit.
0: I was like, can we swear on this podcast? Or- yeah, 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 you're fine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but I, it's so interesting because I feel like people would be like, oh, well, wouldn't you consider like X, Y, and Z? And I think when, and this is just me personally, but when people don't know what it's like to constantly distract yourself with life, mm-hmm. to avoid, right? Because I'm an avoider. when, when my life is not what I want it to be, I start doing all the things. So I completely understand what you're saying, because I am am that person. I'm like, Oh, that didn't go get, let's go, let's move across the country, you know what I mean, and do something else. And I think for some people, they don't understand that like why that is triggering is because you do, you start to sit with yourself and relive so many aspects of not just your present, but like everything else that's happened in your past as well. So it's not just like one of it. It's like the floodgates open.
1: 100%. And for me, like personally, I had a lot of unmet childhood needs. And then when I became a mother, all of a sudden I was like, wait, how did, how did they make those decisions? Right? Like, cause as a parent, I was like, I would never do that. And while I have a lot of forgiveness and grace for my parents now, I had so much anger after she was born. Cause I'm like, I can't believe that they made the decisions that they made having this like tiny little innocent baby. Like I could, I just, I was really, I experienced a lot of anger And a lot of um, like all of my abandonment was re-triggered. And yeah, it was just, it was so tough for me. And like I said, like I got sober at 19. I had ran away from home when I was 17, like, and lived literally like on the streets, like slept in a different place almost every single night for a whole year. had had like truly traumatic things happen in my life but nothing was as challenging as finally not running or not self-medicating or not um overdoing to like you said avoid that was it was so traumatic for me (laughs) to experience just being yeah
0: yeah and I think the other part of that trauma and once again just from like me kind of having to do the same thing is that you realize in all of these situations like you really were alone and I know that sounds crazy but like even having people around you doesn't mean like you're not alone and I don't think people understand that aspect of it too like for me what really started to unfold is like how could nobody see what was going on with me you know how like why was no one there to help and i think that's where a lot of my anger came from it was like how you know was it possible for nobody to really put two and two together um another thing you mentioned that i think is so interesting cuz i had the same experience after having chris is like being a parent even when i got pregnant i was like i have to heal from my childhood in order to be a good parent and for some reason innately I knew that in order for me to parent properly right for lack of a better term I had to heal whatever it was I was still holding on in my childhood and do you feel like you had a little bit of that that played into your your I guess to played into your process of healing because you could have made yourself busy again if you really really wanted to. Like there's always things we can distract ourselves with, but you chose not to.
1: Yeah, so it's funny because when my daughter was born, I had already been in therapy for over a decade and had done over a decade of 12 step work. So I thought in quotes that I had quote healed certain aspects of childhood in myself like I thought I had done the work yet it's you know the analogy of like an onion it's like there's always various layers and that really triggered a lot of work that was still left inside me that I didn't recognize was there and so when you're like you know you didn't go off and do those other things for me I was so committed to being a present mom and to give my daughter the experience in childhood that I had not had the opportunity to have. Both of my parents had to work and both of my parents were very distracted by their own individual lives. Like they separated before I was a year old and both got remarried. So it's like they were on, they were doing their own thing. Right. And so I was so committed to being like, my daughter is going to feel like the center of my universe. And I, and that was what happened. Or better and worse, you know. I'm I. Well, that's a different conversation. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> Anyways, um, so yeah, I. You know, I mean, my husband will tell you there were several times where I was like, "We're getting a divorce," you know, and I'd like threaten these various things. Where I'm like, "I'm getting a job," you know, like all the all the stuff where it was like I wanted to escape. From having to be slow and steady and with myself and with the pain and yet I think my purpose of being a present mom was so much larger than what I, you know, it gave me fuel to then um, stick with it, although. There were days where, and I talk about this a lot, like for the first year of my daughter's life, really all I could do was take care of her. Like I barely could take care of myself. Like it was tough to shower. It was tough to eat. Like she got world-class care, like, you know, literally world-class care yet. I couldn't do anything except for that because I was just almost unfunctioning at that point. Cause it was so, um, what's the best word it was so debilitating to have to be with what was happening and not go out and just erase it in the moment or shut it down because that's it's not erasing it it's suppressing it right um so yeah it was it was really
0: tough so what was that process of kind of unraveling that that ball of yarn if you will
1: yeah so Around my, when, around the time that my daughter turned six months, I hired a woman. She calls herself a compassionate sleep coach. So from four to six months, my daughter would not sleep unless she was physically touching my body. So for two months straight, I never got more than like 45 minutes of sleep at a time. I didn't, she wouldn't take a nap, like in her best net. So I never got space to myself during the day. So finally I was like, okay, I need help, but crying it out didn't resonate with me. Like the, and I want to say to anyone listening, I think, I don't think you're damaging your kid. If you're doing that, I just personally knew that I couldn't do that. Mm -hmm. Like I just knew myself. And so I, we started working with this woman who taught us like another approach to sleep training. That was like a little bit more gentle. It just took slightly longer. Uh So Sloan finally started sleeping on her own and through the night. So I had this like light that came through. Right. And then the pandemic hit like literally three Uh weeks later and that super pushed me back. So it's like, I had that moment of hope almost where it's like, okay, I can breathe again. And then when the pandemic started, It was so crushing to me and I had such bad anxiety. I literally was like, I don't want to die because I had a parent that killed themselves. Like I didn't want to relive that legacy. Right. But I was like, I know I cannot live like this. And one of my practices is praying. Right. And it's like, I can't really tell you who I'm praying to. It's like a God of my own understanding And so I started praying really hard and journaling really hard. And the things that came through was like mind, body, spirit. And so I got a therapist and my therapist is, oh boy, um, she is the toughest person. She is, she's not a hand holder. Um, Started doing really deep work, almost like quote broke up with her, like every other session. (laughs) I started working with her once a week had my like face held to the fire like my whole body held to the fire with her but then I took a gentler approach too and I started working with another woman who was a, a spiritual counselor and I was doing like Reiki spiritual work with her um I started really committing to exercise again I have always been athletic. And I'm more or less like after I had Sloan, never, I didn't really get back into exercising until about like six or seven months in. Um, So I really took that like mind, body, spirit approach to um, healing. And it was not at all a quick fix. It took months. I'm talking like three, four, five months until I really felt the shift happen. And then it happened. It's like I I stuck with I finally like put in the footwork, and as we were talking about, it, it's like I healed like two decades worth of stuck emotions and um, experiences that I was holding in my body in that you know four five six month period of time. But it was a daily practice. It was a lot a lot of work.
0: Yeah, no. And I love what you said about having um, like a psychotherapist, right. And also a spiritual therapist, because a lot of times people, and it's so funny because I have friends that are Reiki healers Mm -hmm. and they're like, I can like fix your like energy. Right. But if you don't do the work, it's going to come back. Like those blocks are going to come back. And I love that you incorporated the two because so often people don't, it's like people either just want to focus on like, okay, I need to figure out why I'm hurting. Let's heal that, but not understanding like, but that's still in your like body. And that's something I've always known. But I think recently when Christopher was in therapy, his therapist said that to me, she was like, when children experience trauma, it gets stuck in their body yeah. right? It like locks into their body and unless you help them work through it, it will stay there and then manifest in adulthood. Right. And I never thought about it. I, you know, and it's funny because we talk about it in yoga, but I think it's so great. And probably because you do yoga, right. And because you have, you know, been through your 12 step programs, you understand how everything is connected. But I love that you're incorporating the two because so often people just want to focus on the spiritual and not the mental or vice versa. And I, I love that. And I feel like that's really going to be helpful to so many of our listeners. To understand the correlation right
1: yeah and another thing that I forgot to add and like I can't believe I didn't like lead with this was I started seeing a different acupuncturist and the initial acupuncturist I was working with she did a um kind of like sabbatical during the pandemic and so it was almost magic that I found the acupuncturist I work with now because a lot of um Westerners are afraid of Eastern medicine when you're breastfeeding, which I still am. And I'm also pregnant right now. And she was like, oh, no, no. These herbs have been around for centuries, literally centuries. Like, I promise you, this is safe for you to take. And so I was really hormonally imbalanced. My cycle was super off because I was breastfeeding. And so I started working with someone that helped give me natural remedies and I'm I was very close to going on, um, some type of pharmaceutical, like antidepressant or anti-anxiety, which I'm 100% in support of for people to take. Yeah. I was like, let me see if I can do this naturally first. Cause I was hesitant to take something breastfeeding and, um, yeah, through working with her, my (laughs) cycle more or less started to regulate and I started to find, that I was having more consistent experiences in life because I was really up and down with my cycle. And that made such a huge change for me to have that physical support along with the spiritual support. Cause my, the Reiki practitioner I was working with, she also had um, a master's in spiritual psychology. And then I was working with a doctor of psychology And got a Peloton. (laughs) Like, like I was like it from literally every avenue that I could.
0: Yeah. And I, I love that too. Just speaking to the acupuncturist side of things and like the the Eastern medicine, and to your acupuncturist point, these things have been around for centuries and centuries, you know, and I'm grateful that more westerners are using like alternative medicine because so much and once again I am not saying do not take antidepressants I am not saying don't take anxiety medicine people do not say that's what I said but I know for me personally when I was on antidepressants I did not feel like myself and it wasn't it was like I was just in a fog all the time Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that was one of my biggest concerns, even to this day, going on any other form of medication for anxiety or depression, because I know how it, it affects me. Yeah. Even birth control, honestly. Birth control deeply affects my mental space.
1: For sure. And and I know, like I have some friends that are literally like that was my lifeline. And so I'm so grateful that it's there for people who need it. I just intuitively was like, let me try these other things first, particularly because I knew I wanted to get pregnant again relatively soon. That was always something that I wanted for myself to have kids that were close together in age. And so I felt really called to go the natural route just so I didn't have to, you know, adjust or recalibrate to get pregnant. And yeah so that it was it was just kind of I I needed everything like had I only done one of those things I don't think it would have worked I needed like the full spectrum that's how bad off I was at that point
0: well I don't even think it's bad off I think you were just aware enough to understand that they're all intertwined like we all need that right it's like we all need to really work on our holistic selves but society tells you to focus on one thing at a time yeah right (laughs) Like, I don't, I think how you, you approach it is a very natural and intuitive way to approach any healing journey. It is a holistic journey. And when you incorporate them all at the same time, you don't have to go back and recalibrate to add something else in. For mm-hmm.
1: sure.
0: Yeah. So thank you so much for sharing that. So from that journey and that experience, how do you feel like you've grown spiritually, mentally, emotionally through that process?
1: So you had asked, you know, for me to share my my bio with you. And one thing that I talk a lot about in my bio is going into motherhood. I struggled because I very much surprised myself by wanting to be a stay-at-home mom because I have always been a feminist and I thought that being a stay-at-home mom was the antithesis of feminism. And so not only was I confronted with all of the things that happened in my past, I was also really wrestling with my identity and, and, um, having this huge, like ego battle that was happening. And so moving through all of that, I think what I really walked away with is surrender and acceptance. And so, um, I didn't notice how much I was trying to like, manage and control my entire life prior to having my daughter. And that experience taught me that in life, like we can perceive something as good or we can perceive something as bad. But looking back, some of like the quote unquote worst things that happened to me, like five years later, I'm like, man, I'm so happy that happened. And I know five years from now, I'm going to be like, man, I'm so happy I went through that horrendously challenging time because now I have so much more grace for myself I have grace for other people I've recognized how much I've attached my worthiness to the projects that I'm doing and I'm learning that like if I never had another job in my entire life like I'm still equally as badass and powerful as some of the women that I really admire who are out there doing you know insane incredible work with kids the same age as mine like it doesn't matter that I'm not doing right now we're still equally as amazing as one another and it taught me how to stop making so many external judgments right like even looking at you like I would judge myself against you like look at Krista look how much she's done look at she went she because I wanted to go back to school when I was pregnant and I'm like, Krista went back to school when she was pregnant. Yeah. And I'm like, cool, that's Krista's journey. And this is your journey. And you didn't go back to school. And that's equally as beautiful. And so it just really brought me into a space of like, accepting myself and uh, feeling super whole in my experience and being more aware that stop. I am trying to not be so like, I'm using my hands. I talk to my hands a lot, like focused in on the moment and remembering that what's happening right now is a chapter in my life and it's not going to be forever. And it's going to, even if it feels yucky or tough, I'm probably going to look back in a few chapters in the future and be like, wow, that was so beautiful. And so it's just given me like such a great perspective and so much more like ease and peace in my life and that's not something that I ever have had before now
0: yeah oh I get there's so much you just said there that's like that really resonates with me and there are this like words that just like kind of popped out you know how when you're like watching a video and the words just start to pop out on the screen when people are talking but like so it was feminism, um, when you talk about your worthiness, when you talk about grace, um, and then comparing yourself to people. And I'll kind of like just go down the line, but I think it's so funny because as a feminist, right? Feminists, just like liberals sometimes, get caught in this idea of what they think is true freedom and independence for women, right? Mm-hmm it's like, this is what it looks like. And this is the picture of what like a truly, you know, liberated and equal woman looks like, but in all actuality, like truly to be free and liberal is to do what you want. Like, (laughs) like, you know what I mean? If you want to stay home and raise your children, and you have the ability to and nobody's forcing you to do it. And it's not like you don't have other options, but you're choosing this that is feminism, you know what I mean? And it's, it's packaged differently. And it, it looks like, you know, what we would consider to be like, succumbing to the patriarchy, but it's not if that's the choice you choose, you know?
1: Yeah. And one of my soapboxes right now is Being a stay at home mom is not the same as being a housewife like that. I think a lot of people have grouped those two things together. And so I'm really leading the brigade of like, uh, uh-uh. like I'm not a housewife. My husband, even though he works, like I work too. And, you know, just in a different capacity and he still helps out at home. And I'm not like, I'm not a 1960s housewife. And and I think that kind of gets confused sometimes for people. And so, yeah, it's a choice that I'm making right now. And I truly hope to eventually step back out of the house and do something in the world in a different capacity. But like you said, right now, this is my choice. And that's feminism, having the ability to make a choice for yourself.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I love that. And I think there is so much value in, you know, staying at home and being with your kids and being a part of their formative years. And, and it's hard and not a lot of people can do it. And I think once again, when we start to get in the space of comparison, it's, it's almost like when people start to place judgment on others, not even almost like it's when people start to place judgment on others and say, you're not doing this, you're not doing that. It's because they're feeling less than in some area of their life. Right. And Mm -hmm. vice versa. So when stay at home moms talk about working moms, when working moms talk about stay at home moms, it's like everybody's fighting themselves and it's easier to lash out on other people than to like deal with your own shit
1: 100 <laughs> percent,
0: yeah and then something else and this has been like it's so crazy because this has been a common theme throughout everybody who i've spoken to so far for the podcast is this idea of grace not even idea this concept of grace that as women We don't often give ourselves. We Mm -hmm. give grace to other people. We give grace to, you know, complete strangers, our spouses, like our parents. We're constantly giving out grace, but we don't leave space for ourselves to experience it in real time. Yeah. And I love that that's something that you're learning through the process of your healing and not allowing what you do to, to determine your worth. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think we all fall into that pattern, too, especially as women. It's like, you know, you fight so hard to get respect and to get that position in in space and time that you do start to attach yourself to what you're doing and not who you are. For sure. And I love that you're starting to detach yourself from that idea. Right. Your value doesn't increase or decrease just because of your profession or what you're doing outside of yourself, you know? Um, but yeah, I that's so beautiful that all of that has come from from this situation. Because like you said, had you not experienced it in the way you experienced it and really had to sit with yourself, you may not have unfolded all of these things about yourself.
1: Definitely. I'm I'm certain like if I would have just jumped right back into you know, uh, the same pattern of like overscheduling myself and overdoing, I would have never had the growth that I would have had. And when you speak to grace, like my grace is even like retroactive now. It's like, I can give myself grace for having to use those coping mechanisms for so long and not beat myself up over it. And even now in the moment, it's like, I'm not like, perfectly living everything I said every single day so when I slip back into the I don't judge others so much I'm really like self-judgmental and so when I start judging myself it's like oh no girl like it's okay like I I almost like parent myself now in the same way that I do Sloan like you're fine like you're doing a great job you know I almost have to like give myself a little pep talk and that's grace to me and for me, right? Whereas before I used to just like self-flagellate all the time and and go off in spirals, where now I'm able to catch myself a lot quicker and be like, "Oh no, like you're doing good. It's okay. Like don't get caught up on that." And I come around a lot faster now.
0: Yeah. And I love that because at the end of the day, the only person you're racing against is yourself. And yeah. I think that's something that is hard for us to really digest sometimes, but for me, the moment I realized that so much other stuff just didn't matter anymore, like, because for the longest time, I would, I would compare myself to this person has this, and this person is doing this, and And it's not like I wasn't doing anything with my life and I was just sitting at home twiddling my thumbs, you know, but it didn't matter. Mm -hmm. But it goes back into that idea of my worthiness was connected to either how I physically looked or the job I had. Yeah. 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 So from this process, what do you think is one of the, the biggest things you've learned about yourself?
1: Oh, So it's so funny because I'm like, is this pandemic influenced? Or is this just really who I am? I would have prior to this happening, I would have been like, oh, I'm an extrovert. And now I'm like, no, I'm an introvert. And I liked harder, better, faster, stronger before. And now I'm like, no, like, I actually think I like it to move a little bit slower. And like for instance, when you and I met in teacher training and when was that? 2011, 2011. Yeah. Okay. So when I was doing my teacher training program, 2011, I was doing yoga teacher training, which is a huge time commitment. I worked a 40 hour a week internship and I was in full-time graduate school. And who does that right? I mean, a lot of people a lot of people do that. I shouldn't say a lot of people do that. Right? Yeah. Now I'm like, no freaking way would I ever want that life again. But that's that was my that's how I operated, was overdoing because then I wouldn't have to face anything, right? Yeah. And so now I'm like, nope, one thing at a time, and my ego still wants like fast growth and success, but yet my heart knows like, you couldn't even handle that right now. Like, take your time, just enjoy the process. And so that's been the biggest shifts for me is like the desire to do less, the desire to go slower, the desire to have like, and and the word, it's not boring, but just like, a simpler life. Like I yeah. already lived like the fast pace, like all over the world, literally life. And now I'm like, yeah, I definitely want to go and travel the world again soon. Yeah. I'll do that. And then I'll like take a lot of downtime. Right. Like not like two, two back-to-back world, like international yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a month, which I've done before. And so I think that's been what I learned about myself is I need a lot of time alone. I want to move slowly. And I'm not as grandiose as I thought I once was. Like, I really like it to be a little bit like simpler. Some people might call it boring and I'm okay with that.
0: (laughs) Well, you know, what's so funny is, so I've always known I was an introvert, but because of like the family I grew up in, I I knew how to be an extrovert, but like this pandemic for me, and I feel like sometimes I'm a party of one I loved it. I was like, yes, I don't have to leave my house and engage with people. And now that I'm having to do it again and do it more, I'm starting to get anxiety because I'm out of practice and I really don't enjoy it as much as I think people think I do. Um, And it's funny that you say that you were doing all these things at once because for me, like addiction runs in my family too. I definitely have addictive tendencies and when i am like in hyper mode i'm addicted to the thrill of doing all of the things oh yeah right it's like that's how my brain works yeah. it's like yeah i can do all the thing and then it's like it's almost like a dopamine hit when you get everything done okay. you know what i
1: mean literally like that <laughs> from a chemistry perspective that's exactly yeah. what it is yeah
0: yeah So I, I totally get that. And I think for me, what I'm hearing is you're no longer seeking that adrenaline rush, Mm -hmm. right? It's like, you're good with just like not having your heart pumping at like 5,000 beats per minute anymore and just really sitting in who you are. And to your point, it's because you're not avoiding who you are anymore. Yes.
1: Yeah.
0: And that's,
1: oh go ahead I was saying it's I don't need the external validation well I want it I still like crave it at times but I recognize that like oh going out there putting myself out there being seen that's not gonna do what I need it's not gonna do what I want it to do like I recognize that um for instance like with going out to an event just to like be at the event I'm like I don't At that event, I'm not going to go to that event, and it's I'm not only going to go to an event if I really want to go to an event, but before I would go because I was like, Oh, I need to be at that event because I because it's important to my like network or whatever. It's like, No, like I don't want to go, I'm not going to go, right? And same thing, like I started a podcast, which I do love it, but this week I decided I'm only going to put out two episodes a month because I don't want to push myself, like I don't like. I want it to grow because I believe in what I'm doing, but i I don't need it to grow to feel better about myself anymore, which I used to like I would have forced it, whereas now I'm like, I'm 21 weeks pregnant. I have a toddler, like, why am I stressing myself out? <laughs> you know and it's like, yeah. prior to this, I would have just like stayed up late, w- woke up early, like done what I needed to do to like have it grow. and now I'm like, nope, slow and steady, like I want to do it because I enjoy it, but I don't need to like, break myself to do it because that success is not I could I've been successful in things before and still felt shitty inside and that's what I have learned through this is that I like me feeling good about myself is coming from the inside not anything I'm doing on the outside
0: yeah I love that and it's so funny that you say that because I remember your first podcast that you had and both of us and I think it's so funny because we're both like super type a people we re-recorded that episode like two or three times. Yeah. (laughs) So we could like get it done. And I think for both, because one of my friends asked me at one point, she was like, why is this so important to you? Like, why are you trying to get this done so bad? And I was like, I don't know. (laughs) And not that I didn't like want you to have the episode and I didn't want to be on it, but it was one of those moments for me where I was like, why are we, forcing this so hard and both of us right
1: yeah and it's like now it's like okay if there's like something off a little bit it goes out but it's before I was like oh like everything needs to be perfect and I'm just not there anymore
0: yeah and I love that and also both of us were a little crazy on that one I'm gonna be honest like yeah. looking bad at, back at it it's like and it's so funny because it's interesting that you bring up the fact that you're pregnant now, because the reason why we didn't try to re-record that for the third time is because you found that you were pregnant with Sloane.
1: Yeah, that's probably sounds about right.
0: Yeah, no, I rem- we were talking because we were trying to figure out when we we're gonna re-record, and it was the same day that you went to the doctor and like confirmed that you were pregnant. Like, I remember that conversation. I remember exactly where I was. I was sitting outside of Starbucks and I was like, yeah, it's fine. Go have a baby. Like, go be happy. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, and I think for me, that was really like a, a wake up call for me because I remember it so vividly. And for me to be like, there's so much more in life than like just having tunnel vision sometimes sure. and I get caught in tunnel vision so if there's somebody else who's going through a similar situation what would you like advise them to do or encourage them to kind of sit in there and in, in their mess for lack of a better term
1: um I think it's kind of everything I said that it's like going to therapy would have not, that would have not been the only fix or going to acupuncture would have not been the only fix. I think that when you're having that like true existential, where it's like, there wasn't one specific problem, right. It was just like a lot of things manifesting. I needed to have all of the, everything. Right. And I recognize, and I talk about this all the time, like how effing privileged I was. Like, I almost want to say the full word because it's like, I had resources that enabled me to have all those experiences at the same time. So if someone listening is like, I mean, I'm fortunate, like acupuncture is covered through my insurance. So I only have to pay like a small copay. Um, the most expensive thing that I did was actually the Reiki, like because that wasn't, you know, it's like my therapy was covered by insurance, the acupuncture is covered by insurance. Um my husband gets to pay for our part of our town membership through his work. Cause they give like write-offs for like gym membership. So it's like, I had a lot of support, right? So it's like, if that's not accessible to you, it's like, try to find other ways that you can meet those needs, right? Like maybe you go to like a community acupuncture clinic, maybe you're going to, maybe acupuncture isn't for you. Maybe it's like, you're doing like a breath work circle, you know, maybe you're going to like a community circle gathering, just some way where it's like trying to tap in like mind, body, spirit, because all of those things are interconnected and just trying to approach one side or going through one avenue. I think that it just doesn't do, you will not do yourself justice. It's like, you have to hit all the marks to really see a shift or a change.
0: Yeah, I I love that. And I love you pointing out the fact that, you know, you were in a situation of privilege, and not everyone is, but there still all are alternatives. When you don't have access to, to everything at once, there still are ways that you can experience those things. Um, and some of the ones that I love, and I'll put these in the show notes is like, open path collective where it's a sliding scale for therapy the same with better help, um, dot com and there's so much online as well and like do your research don't just follow anybody by any means but even like you said like community circles like you would have to do a little more research but it's out there for you and healing is such an important part of life that you have to do it holistically for sure So for family and friends trying to support someone through a healing journey, or also just through postpartum, what advice could you give them?
1: I was like, this might push some people or like rub people the wrong way. However, um, don't be like, it's okay, you're okay. Or like, look at everything you have. Like, just be grateful for what you have. Um, people would say that to me or like, for instance, I had when Sloan was born, um, when I went into labor, it triggered preeclampsia. And usually that right after delivery, your blood pressure goes down. It's a high blood pressure thing. Mine didn't. So I had to stay in the hospital for five days and that was really hard on me. I'm not good in hospitals. Okay. And everyone was like, well, you have a healthy baby. That's all that matters. It's like, nah, that's not all that matters. And so what I really always suggest to people is be like, yeah, that's so hard. Like validate the person's experience. Yeah, it must be really challenging right now to experience what you're experiencing. I'm here for you. Or what I've tried to start doing now is if I know someone in my life is going through a hard time send them dinner. Like you don't want to cook for yourself when you're in a bad space. And it's like, yeah, you usually get like a ton of meals, like right after like someone's born or someone dies, you know, or like something big like that. But it's like, if you know, your friend is struggling, send them dinner, like doordash them, something, make them something, invite them over. Um, Send them coffee, like something like that, I think goes such a long way. And just being like, recognizing like, oh, my person is in a tough place right now. And just lower your expectations for them and let them like, ask them like, hey, like, is there anything I can do for you? And oftentimes there's not like, no one could have done anything for me except for give me space and stop trying to be like, you're okay. It's okay. Like that's, I'm like, No, like never tell someone that please ever. You know, (laughs) like it's it's not like don't commiserate necessarily, but just like validate, like, yeah, I see you having a really hard time. If there's anything I can do, I am here for you. And just that's I think my biggest um suggestions for people.
0: it's I'm sorry smiling as soon as you said that because I, I promise you almost everyone so far has said something similar and I think we are in this weird space of toxic positivity
1: yes
0: like oh my god if you're not chipper all the time and saying all the 10 things you're grateful for then you must be ungrateful and negative and it's like no I'm just living real life mm-hmm. and real life is not Always positive, like that's not even a a real human experience, you know. And I love it that you say that because people immediately want to say something to make you feel better, and they completely lose sight of practical things like buying somebody dinner, (laughs) you know what I mean? It's like, and it's almost as though they just want to say something, to say they said it and they want to do the things that they want to do that they think will help. Right. But it's to your point, ask the person what they need. And if you cannot provide it, then just let them be.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And like, and sometimes it's like, there's nothing that can be done. And just like, I think for some people, when your friend our loved one is going through a hard spot. It's almost like a mirror to you. And so it can make you really uncomfortable. So you want to fix it, right? Cause you don't want to have to look at your own stuff. And so it's almost this like triggered reaction of like, I need to make them better. Cause I don't want to, I don't want to have to face what they're facing right now. And so I think that just reminding ourselves that it's okay to not be okay. And to give people space to not be okay. And obviously if someone's like in danger of self-harm or doing something that's like, you know, like abusing drugs or alcohol or putting their children or other people in danger, like that's maybe when you like step in or a little bit more like, not aggressive, but like, hey, like your behavior is concerning to me. But it's like, if someone's just going through a tough time, like just show them love and don't try to fix it because you probably can't.
0: Yeah. No, I love that so much. Much So final question. Yep. What would you tell someone if they ask you what a journey of trauma to triumph looks like?
1: Ooh, that's a great question. Journey from trauma to triumph. I feel like it looks like really messy. And not a straight line, right? It's not like you're just like walking this straight line. I feel like I'm, again, I'm using my hands a lot. It's a zigzag. You know, it's like, you're going forward, you're going back, you're going forward, you're going back. And then eventually you get to a space where the triumph happens and then you start all over again, right? (laughs) You know, like, and maybe it's not as intense as it was in a time before, but it's not like you're just walking this path where all of a sudden it gets easier and it stays easy it's like you walk the path you gain a little bit and then sometimes you backslide and then you gain a little bit more and yeah so it's it's a up and down side to side all over the place and then eventually one day you're there and it's like wow
0: I'm okay yeah oh I love that I love that a lot yeah because it is it's a it seems like a never ending journey, but eventually you do get, get out of the fog and it's nice. And to your point, you know, we're always constantly growing and evolving And those moments of growing pains that push us to the next stage of our life are going to continue to come, you know, and the more we do it, the better we get at it for sure. <laughs> yeah oh I love that okay any final thoughts before we go into our fun part that's light and airy because I always like to end the episodes on an up on an upbeat you know um note so anything else you want to share before we kind of transition over
1: no thank you so much It was really fun to have this conversation I I like I'm a deep person I like having serious conversations so I'm like yeah. this is great so thank you
0: yeah no and thank you for coming and and I always enjoy our conversations so it I knew it was going to be a pleasure um even before like we started and once again and I tell this on every episode but I never know what any of my guests are going to say to yeah. the the answers I just give them the questions so they can think about it and I'm like, just send me your bio and how yeah. you want me to introduce you. And that's, that's all I get. Yeah. So I love having these open and honest conversations with real women who have experienced life on such a deep and impactful level. And quite frankly, it's at a young age. And I know it's like, oh, we're in our thirties, but like, we still have so much life to live. And even before this point, it's like, we've lived so much life that got mm-hmm. us here and it does it changes your perspective on the world and how you engage with others especially when you're intentional about the way you live your life right definitely yeah yeah all right fun time let's go lightning round what's one thing that you're most proud of that you achieved in life
1: oh by far my sobriety the rest of my life would not be possible without it I'm a true addict and alcoholic. Like. To my core, and I am so proud to be sober.
0: I love that, and I'm proud of you too. That's um, you. that's a long time—nineteen to what are we? Thirty-three now? Yep, that's how old we are now. I'm thirty-four. Oh well, there you go. Mm-hmm. All right. I don't mm-hmm. think I knew you were older than me. Well, I'll be thirty-four too. So I think that's really what it Is, is I'm actually almost thirty-four too. <laughs> 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 uh, what's your number one goal for?
1: 2022 um to have a healthy baby boy
0: yay
1: yeah, hopefully at home and I and I hate saying I want to have a healthy baby boy at home I'm trying for a home yeah. birth. yeah so manifest
0: awesome.
1: it yeah that's yeah. Awesome.
0: yeah I fully support that I always said after I had Chris if I had any more kids I would do a home birth because the only thing I really did not like about my labor and delivery was getting in my car and driving to the hospital oh
1: yeah yeah <laughs>
0: um where do you see yourself in five years oh
1: this is such a hard question for me and where I see myself in five years is doing something that I really love that allows me to be just of service to other people and so having some kind of project or job outside the home that still also allows me to drop my kids off at school every day, pick them up from school every day and volunteer in their classrooms. Like that's my that's my goal.
0: And that's a solid goal. And you can do it this day and age, 1000%, yep. you can do it. Um, what first impression do you want others to experience when they meet you?
1: I want others to experience embodiment like oh she's there she's present she's whole within herself she's whole within this moment she's just here that's what I want people to feel
0: I love that and then last one what is one of your quotes to live by and why
1: um so easy the future belongs to those who believe in the beauty of their dreams by Eleanor Roosevelt and I am so drawn to that quote because it says, you know, the beauty of their dreams. And sometimes I feel like we can get stuck in the practicality of our dreams. Yet those of us, sometimes I'm good at it. Sometimes I'm not who can hold on to the beauty of the dream that they hold the future. That's when you get it in your future is when you can really believe in the beauty instead of worrying about how you're going to do it.
0: Yeah. Oh, I love that so, so much. Well, thank you again for hanging out with me and having these deep conversations and where can people find you? Where can they find your podcast? Share all the things, Yeah, everything. So,
1: um, I have like a love to stay in relationship with Instagram. So it's like some days I'm on, some days I'm off. I'm hoping to start a medium blog, but right now I'm most active on a podcast for moms on Instagram, and then, um, a podcast for moms. You can find that on any platform that you find your podcasts, um, a podcast for moms.com. We have an episode. You're the second, uh, episode of a podcast for moms. So if you're listening, definitely go check out my conversation with Christix. it was super inspiring and one of my faves and yeah, I'm going to be, um, falling offline in early 2020 when I have my baby. Um, but I'm going to be around and I always like constantly reinventing what I'm doing. So um, this time next year, I'll probably be doing something totally different.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And that's totally fine. That's life. That's the beauty of life. You get to live it for sure. And there you have it, friends, another episode of Trauma and Triumph. Thank you so much for joining us again this week. And if you're liking what you're hearing so far, feel free to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or Amazon Music. See you next week for another triumphant story.